You can obey or you can rebel. You can obey and reap the fruit of the land, the best of the land. Or you can rebel and be what? Be destroyed. God lays it at your feet to make the choice. It's your choice. You're the one. Go over to 5, Isaiah 5, and look at verse 20. He says, Woe to those who call evil good. Now, understand something. In this world today, we have a hard time trying to say what is good and what is bad. And God says, I'm going to help clear that up for you. As I step into your life, I'm going to help you to be able to decide and know clearly what is good and what is bad. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And woe to those who are wise in their own what? Yeah. That's where a lot of people get caught at. That's why it's so hard for God to make changes in our lives because we're wise in whose eyesight? In our own. And we've come to a place to think we're wiser and we know more about this life and this thing called living than God does. And we're going to be wiser than He is. And we're going to direct our lives rather than allow Him to direct our lives. And God says, Woe to the one who calls himself wise. Jeremiah 23, just straight on over, one book over from Isaiah. Jeremiah 23, 14 and 15. And among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen another horrible. They commit adultery and live a lie. They strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns from his wickedness. They are like Sodom to me. The people of Jerusalem are like Gomorrah. Is there a way of preaching that does not challenge people to change? Is there a way of preaching and teaching that people leave out saying, I'm okay? See, God has us and has called us because he understands we need a teacher. And he understands we need to change. But we can't change in and of ourselves. We don't have the power to make one change in our life. Every change you make in your life is influenced by something outside of yourself. Every change. Now you've got to figure out, is this change, is it going to draw me closer to the Lord? Or is it going to distance me from the Lord? You've got to figure out, is this change going to make me more like Jesus or is it going to make me look more like self? you got to figure it out there about this change. Because change always comes by something else influencing you other than just yourself. And you got to figure out, is this change coming from God or from the enemy? For Satan comes as an angel of light. And we got to figure it out. We need to understand he is a master at deception. Therefore, we got to figure it out. Go over to Ezekiel 16:49. Ezekiel 16:49. And here you are, are going to see something that again, remember what he just talked about the area of Sodom and the thing is, why did they fall? And oftentimes we put it based on their gay lifestyle. They were homosexuals. They were this. They were that. 
1649 of Ezekiel. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. And they did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty, prideful, and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you see. Boy. They were arrogant. They were overfed. They were haughty. Can that describe some of us? Majority of us? All of us? That we have pride in our lives. We have arrogance in our life. We have a haughtiness in our life. And God is trying to change us, work with us, minister to us. The point of walking with God is simply this here. If you walk with God, you're going to experience change. Why? When you walk with God, he's not going to follow you. You're going to have to what? Yeah. He's going to change your directions. Uh, you're not going to lead him. He's going to lead you. If you're walking with the Lord, he's going to have an impact on your life. And that's going to change you. You're living with God daily. The moment you move in with somebody and you're living with them, it changes you. It doesn't give you a freedom any longer just to do everything you want to do. Because you're not really living in your space per se. You're living in somebody else's kingdom. Somebody else's house. Somebody else's. And it changes you. And the same freedoms that you once enjoyed, you no longer enjoy. And if you're really living in the kingdom of God. If you're really living for God. That changes us. Thirdly, if you're talking with God, when you sit down and you just talk with somebody and you'll give them an ear and you really listen, will it change you? Yeah. You go away from there just a little bit different than which you've come. If you really listened. And when you talk with God and you really listen, there's going to be some changes in your life. There will be some changes. When you walk with him, when you're living with him, when you're talking with him, when you're serving God, you can't serve God in your own ability, your own strength, in your own way. When you are a real servant of God, there's a change that's constantly taking place. There's a change that takes place. It's all about constant change in our lives. And that's one of the things we are constantly fighting with God about. is the change that is taking place in our lives. Sometimes we don't like it. Because it's hurtful. It's painful. Life is about adapting to God. Not God adapting to us. And one of the things we're always challenging God to do or trying to get God to do is to adapt to us. God, you know my heart. God this. God, Yes, God really does know your heart. It needs to change. He don't need to adapt to you. And the process is that he's there and we have to learn to adapt to him. We have to learn how to live under his condition. We have to learn how to live in his kingdom. And, and we have to come to that place where we're willing to adapt to his rules, his regulations, and what he's asking of us. And that's a change for us sometimes. Adapt to make fit or suitable by changing or adjusting, to adjust oneself to new or change circumstances. When you become born again, it may look like you're living in the same circumstances, but you're not. You're not. Just think about it with me for a moment. Before you were saved, you lived in a different type of environment, even though it was the same environment. The environment you were in before was constantly filled with demons. 
The environment you lived in before was constantly in a bunch of people who were unbelievers, people who were in rebellion against God, people who did not do the things that God desired for them to do. And when you were an unbeliever, mostly your influence and what you were hearing in the conscious area was this little thing called Satan's voice in your ear. Now you're in the same environment, the same circumstances, but now you're surrounded by angels of God rather than demons. Now you have the Holy Spirit here speaking to you and sharing with you. Now you have the Word of God, but you're in the same circumstances, same environment, but something else is speaking now. And you're surrounded by something else. And you know how to perform differently or act differently in this situation Yet you're in the same situation, but the two behaviors are different. Because one behavior is out of a sinful, fleshly, prideful, and the other one is out of holiness and purity and cleanness of God. Can you catch it? To adjust oneself to new or change circumstances. You adjust. You adjust. To adjust is to bring things into proper relation through the use of skill or judgment. God knows to bring change in our life, we didn't have the skill nor the judgment. That's why a lot of things when they happen in our, in our life, we call it luck or I'm unlucky. Because I have no control of it. It just happens. And I just have to go along with it. And and oftentimes we get stuck in that. And what God wants to do, he wants to be the skillful builder in our lives. Because that's what he's doing. He's building our lives. And God is then making the judgment of what material he's going to bring in. See, a good craftsman knows what kind of material, if the material is faulty or not. He knows if the material is going to withstand the pressure of the wind or either the snow or whatever the elements it is. He knows. So he makes the judgment to bring the right elements or the right material into that construction job in order to complete his work. And it will be well built. God has the skills and God makes the judgment on what kind of material he's bringing into your life to build it. But we have to allow him to do it. We have to allow him to do it. For this purpose, one, we're going to live in a changed structure. Watch people's behavior. When you put them in a different structural area, they will perform differently. Now, some people function very well in the institution. Why? It's it's structured for them. Other people function very well over in this type of structure. It's a little loose. Gives them a little bit more freedom. And God knows what kind of structure you really need. Why? Why? Because he wants you to function at your very best. At your very best. And see, structure brings change and function brings change. How are you going to function in these structures, in these different environments? And then the most important thing is this here. The change of your identity. The change of your identity. The change of your identity. Now, what is identity? Identity is the condition or fact of being the same or exactly alike. Sadness, sameness, oneness, unity by identity or interest. Am I interested in the same thing the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in? Am I interested in the same things that the Holy Spirit is interested in? Am I interested in the same thing that God is interested in? If I'm interested in the same things that all three of them are interested in, then I'm interested in the kingdom of God. And I'm identifying 
and I'm like them. If I'm more interested in the things of the world and my sinfulness and the things that are wrong out here that I'm willing to do, then I'm identifying with Satan in his world. Identity means the same as or like. Therefore, we can understand when Jesus is speaking. Go to John five nineteen, St. John chapter 5 and verse 19. You can begin to pick out and, and you can see now how this identification thing begins to work. Go 519. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. He's identifying with who? With his father. What is he doing? He's copying his father. He's imaging his father. He's doing what he sees his father does. He's identifying. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Go to John 8 and verse 44. Look what he says. He says to the Pharisees, he said, you belong to your father, the devil. Why would he say that? Because of their action, their behavior, their work. Who are they identifying? Who are they like? They're like Satan. With their behavior. And the things that they do. And they're identifying with Satan rather than with Jesus Christ. And he says, you're like your father. The devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. Where's your interest at? The interest. They're interested in the things of Satan rather than the things of God. It clarifies your identity. Now, go to 1 Peter with me, 1.16. 1 Peter 1.16. Because... What we see is what God is trying to perform here now and what God really wants to do in our lives. He says it very simply. He says, for it is written, be holy because I am what? I'm holy. So what is God trying to create in your life? Holiness. Purity. And he's at work because he knows you cannot make yourself holy. So God takes on the challenge of clearing all the garbage out of your life in order to make you holy. And he has to bring the things into your life. He has to begin to bring them in. He has to begin to work. He has to begin to do a certain thing that only he is able to do. Go with me to Second Peter real quick. Go to Second Peter. Chapter 1, start with me in verse 5, and we're going to come down into verse 9. Look what he says he's going to add to your life. And, and these are changes that have to take place in our life, and, and they're not easy. They can be difficult. They can be challenging. He says, one, <clears throat> for this very reason, make every effort. To add to your faith goodness. That's hard and difficult for us. Because Paul said, there's no good thing that's in me. And he's saying, add goodness. I don't know what is good and bad. But he says, add goodness. I'm going to have to learn what is good for me and for others. And i got to begin to add that into my life. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach me and lead me. And that's going to be change in my life. To really know what is good. And he says, boy, and to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge. Now, a lot of us don't want knowledge today. Because knowledge means accountability. The more I know, the more people expect me to what? Do. The less I know, they can't expect me to do it or to perform it. The whole process is that God says add knowledge. 
And a lot of us don't want it. That's why a lot of us don't show up for Bible studies. That's why a lot of us don't study the Bible. That's why a lot of us just don't study at all, anything. Because if we feel we have more knowledge, we have to perform more. And it goes right along with what the Lord said. To whom much is given, much is required. And oftentimes for Christians, we go on the job and we forget. God has equipped us with the abilities to do this and do that. And we don't work for the man, we work for him. We shine for the glory of God when we're on the job. And we are to do our very best and use every part of the knowledge that God has given us to do the best job we can do that he might be glorified. And he said, add knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. Lord, I don't want to be in self-control. I want to just be able to do anything and everything I want to do. I don't want any self-control. I don't want to have to say no to myself. I don't want to have to say, oh, I can't do that. I don't want... uh-uh. I want to be able to do anything and everything. I want, to, I want to be able to touch this, touch that, kiss this, kiss that. I want to be able to sleep over here, sleep over there. I want to be able to say this to that person, that person. I want to be able, I don't want to have no self-control. I don't want to deny myself from anything. And God says, put on self-control. Add self-control into your life. Because what he saw us in being an unbeliever, out of control. Now I'm a believer and I got to learn how to be in control. That my mouth just can't rattle off any old thing it wants to rattle off. My ears just can't hear anything it wants to hear. I got to separate. And some things I just got to run away from. And he goes on, he says, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness. But he brings it all down, all these things that he says to do. But come on down with me into verse 9. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. See, sometimes we forget that we've been called. We forget that we've been saved. And that is God at work in us, changing us. God is at work. Knocking off some of the hard spots of our life. God's at work making this change in my life. God is doing it. Now, Christian life is about continuing, constant, unending work of change in your life. I don't care how old you are. Every time you have a birthday, only thing God is saying, you're coming closer to home. Yeah. But he allows you to know also the body has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. It's not the same. So you're always changing. Yeah. And it's not always, boy, that you will like the changes. Change is not about a one-time event. Salvation is a one-time event. But my change is not about just that one-time event because that one-time event is going to bring on a multitude of changes in my life. James says various kinds of trials and testing, which is going to bring about the changes. Change is not about a one-time event. Yet the one-time event brings about the variable changes or the diverse temptations that I'm going to face that are going to take place in my life. And it's those testings of your life that's going to bring about the change to see, are you growing or not? Are you growing in the Lord? Is the Holy Spirit making a difference in your life? Whenever you choose to surrender a part of your life and say to the Lord, Lord, I want you to take control of this area of my life. Lord, I give this over to you. Lord, you handle this part of my life. Lord, you take this part of my temperament. Lord, you take this part of my anger. Lord, you take this part of my love life. Lord, you do this. Lord, you do it. I'm surrendering it to him. 
And every time I surrender a part of the old life over to the Lord, there will be a change in your life. Because you have chosen to allow Jesus to live there now. And this is going to feel strange and different. It's going to feel strange and different. Because he's in charge of that area now. And you have to adjust to it. You have to become comfortable with it. You have to become content with it. And what happens a lot of times when Jesus takes control of our life in some areas, we're ready to run. We get fearful because it's different. We see things differently now. We feel at first we're a little bit lost, not understanding we're in safe hands. And he says, boy, the Lord lives there now. And there's going to be changes. In Romans 6, 6, he talks about the flesh being crucified. And, and that's us. And when that happens, change is going to take place. And we need to recognize that. That when we crucify certain parts of our life and we put them to death, change is going to take place. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. That that is taking place. This old man is dying daily. That I'm turning this old man over into the hands of Christ daily. And taking on the new man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Being renewed in my mind and in my heart. And their changes come about. In Ephesians 4.2 and 4.22 He begins to share with us. And he simply says, You were taught with regard to your former ways of life to put off your old self. When's the last time you stopped old self from doing what old self wanted to do? I did that yesterday. We went out to eat Friday. And boy, the food was good. And I said to self, let's go get another plate. And something said, you don't need another plate. See, we don't see the sin of gluttony at times, you know. But if I'm going to do what the doctor told me to do, I need to lose weight. I'm going to have to have control. So I'm always going to be battling with this flesh of what it wants and me being controlling it or will it control me. You know, and and see, I didn't like what I said to myself. No. I even reasoned with myself. I paid for this. I can go get as much as I want. I can go ahead because I'm not hurting yet. I can fill it up to a stretch and it has a little pain and then the pain stops me. But why should I have to go that far? If I have it under control, I say, you've had enough. And I'm changing me by saying, you've had enough. Because I know if I eat less, I will what? Most likely lose the weight, which will change me. Now, am I enjoying that? No, because I enjoy eating. But yet, it's one of those things we have to work with. Point. God is not going to change to please us. And oftentimes, we are working harder trying to change God than allowing God to change us. Let me let you in on a secret. Do you have the ability to change God? And if you could change him, how would you remake him? How would you remake perfect righteousness? How would you remake perfect holiness? How would you remake perfect justice? What could you do with God that would make him a better God than what he is? 
Just think about that. Now, think about this. What can God do with you that would make you a better Christian and more like him? We all got some things that can rush into our minds of what God could do with who. And how God could change us. In James 1.17, he says he changes not. In all these verses, he says he changes not. He doesn't change. Go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Because God is not going to change to satisfy us. God is not going to change to win us to his side. God is not going to change that we might do what he wants us to do. He's not going to change. He's immutable. He changes not. Psalms 103, verses 24 through 27. Did I get the right one? I'm sorry, I got the wrong verse. I'm going to have to skip it. But it speaks about God himself not changing at all. Even though his people act this way and they are misbehaving... God will not change. He will not. And you and I have to come to that place that we understand God's not going to change. He's not going to change for us. Not at all. Change is to surrender. Webster simply defines surrender in this. Yielding to power. Now ask this question. Who holds the power in your life? Who holds the power in your life? Who is the real power in your life? The other part that he brings in about this issue of surrendering is control or possession. Who controls you? Who possesses you? Who owns you? Have you been bought with a price that Jesus Christ really does own you and you belong to him? To give oneself over to something. Who are you giving yourself to? Who are you surrendering yourself to? Who are you saying Lord to? Who are you recognizing as the powerful, the authority in your life? Change is taking out the garbage in your life. And it has to go now. Sometimes for the Christian, it is coming to a place he or she got to go out of my life. I'm saved now. And I've carried this garbage so long. Boy, it got to go. Do you understand there's some garbage you don't want to leave in the house overnight? Have you ever woke up in the morning forgetting to take the garbage out at night and you have this aroma that somehow penetrates through the house and all of a sudden it hits you, you didn't take it out? Have you ever had a dead mouse in your house? Does it let you know something's not right in the house? You can open up the windows, but you can't get rid of it until you get rid of it. Some of the stuff in our lives are like that. They leave an odor, a stench, until we take it out. And it has to go out now. And some things you can put in the trash. They can be in there a few days. And you can take them out two, three, four days later. God works on those things that need to go out now. But then he also works on those things that eventually have to just go. And we don't like it. We don't like it. But God is going to separate it in your life. And you're going to be like some lazy folks. I don't got to take it out tonight. I'll take it tomorrow. I'll take it the next day. Because it don't smell that bad to you. But some garbage just got to go 
now. The problem with change is after trying a few times, we give up. After trying, because change is hard. Change is work. Change is difficult. And sometimes change can be painful to us. We conclude that the only pain worse than needing to change is changing or trying to change and fail. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried. I've gone after that. It don't work for me. The only reason it's not working for you is because you're not allowing God to do it. You're not allowing God to do it. If you allow God to make the changes in your life, he will strengthen you in every area to go through the surgery that he's going to perform. He'll strengthen you. And he'll give you the ability to stand after the surgery. After the removal, whatever he removes in your life, he'll give you the ability to stand. The problem is changing again is this brings to us an attitude that if I can't change, then I just live with the stench. I just live with the smell. I just live with what it is and I adapt myself to it, to accept it. And that's not what God wants for you. Oftentimes as Christians... We miss so much, all because we're not willing to change and do it God's way. We miss so much. Oftentimes we ask ourselves, why? I'm not blessed like so-and-so. Did you want to have the surgery that so-and-so had? Are you willing to have taken out of your life what so-and-so had taken out of his life? See, God doesn't play favoritism. We all got to go through the same thing. As the psalm says, we all have gone through the blood. We all have to go through it. Working on change is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful work. And at times, it also seems to be totally impossible. And when you think you can't change in an area, you need to ask, where is that thought coming from? Because Satan will tell you, you can't change. And you hear people say it like this. Well, it is what it is. Well, change it. It don't have to be what it is. Change it. Well, you got to take me like I am or leave me. Goodbye. Because, see, you can change. You can change. And guess what? God wants you to change. God wants you to change. He wants to change the attitude. He wants to change the mind. He wants to change your living conditions. He wants to change you. Because, see, you're no longer going to live that old life. You're going to live in newness of life. And God wants to change you. And that's work. That's work. And we're going to be talking about this work in the next couple of sermons. Because, see, God has called you to change And he's going to work in your life. And you gave him permission to do so the moment you said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. You gave him permission to work in your life. Now, permission and forcing you to do is two different things. God's not going to force you, but God's going to show you the possibilities of the changes. Now, you got to remember... It's possible. Okay. Because, see, Satan wants to take away 
your thought that it's even possible for you to change. And sometimes people will tell you, well, you're just going to be like that for the rest of your life. No, you can change. People will tell you, well, you will never do any better. No, you can change. You can do better. You don't have to live there. You can do better. Luke one thirty seven simply says, boy, for nothing is impossible with God. But see, you got to have that attitude that nothing's impossible with God. I can change with God working in me. I can change if I'll yield to God. I can change if I'll walk with God every day. I can change if I live in the kingdom and under the rules and statutes of God. I can change if I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me and minister to me. I can change if I'll listen and I'll obey and I'll eat the best of the land. I can change. Why? Not because of me, because it's possible with my God. I can change. Hey, I can change. Run over to Philippians 4.13. You already know it, but run on over there. Philippians 4.13. He simply says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, it's too hard to do. Change isn't easy. And Satan's going to make you cry like a baby. And Satan's going to give you all kind of rationale. Why you shouldn't be going through what you're going through. But look what the verse says. In a sense. Why I'm going through the change. God is strengthening me. I just got to keep my eyes on him. Hey. Hey. I can do everything. Through him who gives me strength. I can do this. I can do this. He didn't say it wouldn't be painful. He didn't say it wouldn't be hurtful. He didn't say that you'll have a crowd of people cheering you on. But God says, you can do this. Let me share something with you, men and women. We call single mothers, but there would not be a single mother if it was not for a man. Just think about that. And single motherhood is hard. But God says, boy, you can do this. I'll strengthen you to do this. And you can do better. And sometimes we have to realize, I can do better without him or her. I can do better. See? Why? God's going to strengthen me. I can do this. See? And... It's not going to always be in a way that I like it. Go to Genesis. You can read Mark on your own, but go to Genesis 12, verse 1. How many of you think Joseph enjoyed being sold? To a group of folks and taken to a strange land. Didn't enjoy it. How many think Joseph really enjoyed going into prison? Didn't enjoy it. But in each circumstance of Joseph's life, God was preparing him for something else. Even though it was painful at times. See, I'm glad that me and the doctor agreed this colonopsy only takes place every two years because every year when I was taking it and have to drink all that, I didn't like that. But it had to be done. And I was so glad when he said, Gus, we're just going to start doing this every two years. You're far enough out now. Boy, he don't know what joy he brought to this old life. 
Because it seemed like that year would roll around so fast. You know. Look at Abraham or Abram. 12.1. Look what God asked. To make a change in his life. Look what God asked of him. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your country. Number one. He has to begin to make changes in himself to pack up and do what? Leave a familiar place. We, to get ready to leave where he knows how to get to the grocery store. They, he knows to get to the places he needs to get to. It's not a strange place. He's comfortable right there. You know. But God says, I want you to move. We're going to make some changes. And I can't make those changes with you being here. I need you over here in order to make the changes. And that's fearful. Because the unknown is always fearful. I know who my friends are here. I know who my enemies are here. I know who I can go to here. But you want me to go over here and I got all these strange folks that I don't know nothing about. But you want me over here. And then he says, your people You're leaving your culture. You're leaving your ethnic group. You're leaving a culture how you know how to act. You know how to talk. You know how to respond. You're comfortable here. And all of a sudden, you're in a different group of people. That's one thing I like about going to different countries and different cultures. Because you learn so much. And you have to adapt to what they do. So when I was in South Korea, they don't eat eggs and bacon and toast for breakfast. And when that stuff comes cold, it's all because they don't know how to prepare it. And the eggs are hard and don't have no taste. And they don't know to put salt and pepper on them. They don't eat toast. They eat rice and octopus. They eat rice and a fish for breakfast. They don't eat eggs and bacon or sausage and toast. They have something altogether different. And we're asking them to cook something they don't know nothing about cooking. Totally different. Then when I was in India, boy, I'm on the elevator. And my host, gentleman, he took, because we were squeezed in that elevator. And yes, I was a little closer. I went, he kind of took his hand between me and kind of pushed me back a little bit more. I'm trying to, I don't want to bump into people. But there's that culture that said you don't get close to women out in public. So he was moving me back to give that little space. And then one time, boy, we're down by the river, and they're doing their ceremony. And Himmelie had told me, you stay here, Pastor. You stay here. And, boy, I got my camera. I'm just a clicking. And, and, and finally this guy comes out all dressed up, and they come out just hanging and doing their thing. I, I'm going to move to get a closer picture. I wasn't looking at the guys coming towards me, and she ran towards me because I didn't know I was getting ready to defile their ceremony. So we learn a new culture, a new people. And and God says to Abram, leave your country, leave your people, leave your family, leave them. And he says, in your father's household, I'm leaving my father, I'm leaving my mother, I'm leaving my brother, I'm leaving my sister. I'm All that God can make, God, you can't do this change right here. I gotta do, I gotta go through all this just for you to make this little change in my life that you can use me? And God says, yes. Yes. You gotta go through all of this in order for me to change you from Abram to Abraham that I can use you. And guess what? There was a surrendering on Abram's part in order for God to make the change. Are you willing to surrender that God can make 
the changes he wants to make in your life? Or are you one who is saying, I'm okay. I'm not too bad. I'm making it. I'm satisfied with who I am and what I am. You might be. But the one who has given you eternal life is not satisfied yet. Because you have not come into the image, the full image of Jesus Christ. And he's not satisfied. The work is hard. But God is going to renovate your life. God is going to continue to make the changes in your life. I don't care how old you are. He's going to still make changes because as long as we're here, we're not perfect yet. And if we're not perfect, he still has a work to perform. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we truly are your workmanship. And that we are a people, Lord, who you have predestinated us to be like your son, Jesus Christ. And we know that work will not be complete, Lord, until we see him face to face. And then your word says we shall be like him. But Lord, we pray that you will continue to work in our lives and that, Lord, you will bring about the changes in our lives that will please you and not us. We pray for this and we pray for that and we want this and we want that. But, oh God, what we're praying for most of all is your will being performed in our life. And that you do according to your good pleasure in each and every one of us, oh God. And whatever you need to cut away from us, whatever you need to take away from us, whatever it is, God, that you yourself want to change in our lives. Give us, Lord, the willingness to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, do it, Lord, do it, Lord. And we'll work with you rather than against you. Lord, we just ask that you'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen.